1: Dude,
2: Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew helping us out on the side today. Always appreciate that. And away we go. By the way, on Twitter, it's at Show. And if you would, if you're watching on War Chant TV, like, subscribe, thumbs up, celebrate. Hand it off to your friend, send it via email, click on it later on in the day, and just let all of our videos run in perpetuity over and over and over again. And then start them over and do it again and tell your kids to do the same. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. It's going to be a good year. You can all do this together. It's going to be a big, big year. Let's get to the 11. All of us, come on. I want to be rich. <laughs>
1: I was like, what's what's he gearing up to say with this pause? Because some, no, no, something was true just, is going to come out, and there it I is.
2: Just, I was just kind of kidding around, just being a, a sales whore here and getting to getting it out there, just doing what I can. By the way, the um, the schedule is uh, – the NFL ske- – <laughs> the schedule, I think, is tonight uh, for the NFL. We already have a few games, a few games. And, Tom, I did this during the break just now. Uh, I went and looked at the Bucks, of course, opponents. The opponents are out. We know that. But I went back and refreshed my memory here. We got at home for for the Bucks, Falcons, Panthers, Saints, Bears, Lions, Jags, Eagles, Titans on the road. Falcons, Panthers, Saints, Bills. Oh my God, we're gonna get bludgeoned. Packers, Texans, Colts, Vikings, bludgeoned. San Francisco, bludgeoned. All right. Anyhow, so we went eight and nine a year ago in Tampa, and I don't know if anybody else does this, but let me do this for you, Buccaneers fans. Now, you know, we went in and we brought a quarterback in who can't play. That was a good first step. You've got to be, as an organization, prepared to fail just as you are prepared to succeed. It's very important when the goal is to fail that you identify the right quarterback. Who is going to ensure that we lose enough games to be able to draft one or two? Because either way, we want Caleb Williams or Drake May. We can all argue amongst each other which of those two we want. I don't care. We want one of those two. They're going to go one and two. We have to be in that spot. I like where the Bucs' heads are at because they identified the right quarterback to fail. They knew they had to get a guy that simply can't play. Baker Mayfield can't play. He's awful. He's slow, unathletic, short. Since he's come into the league, he leads the uh, league and in, in most passes batted down a good indicator of sorry and short. He doesn't have much of an arm. He's been injured and he's not a great teammate. These are all wonderful ways to ensure that you have division, divisiveness in the locker room. The Bucks have handled this in the offseason as well as you possibly could. A nondescript draft that didn't move the needle. Nobody cares about the players that were taken. None of them are game changers. It doesn't look like. So now again, the path to failure in place. You're trying to fire your coach and get one or two In that order, one of those two picks, so that you can build towards a winning franchise yet again and get your franchise quarterback in Drake May or Caleb Williams. Well, this is informing my decision when I go to the schedule and I pull it up and I read it. I say, okay, which of these games, how many of these games are guaranteed losses? And Tom, I'm hoping that when I look at a 17-game schedule like this, that I'm seeing 15 16 losses. Now, that's excessive. You're never really going to get 16 guaranteed losses. It's a league of 500 teams. It's a salary cap league. It's built for eight and eight, as they used to say, 17 game schedule. It's built for eight and nine, like we were last year, or nine and eight. Either way, you're not moving the needle. So I think the Falcons win the division. So we probably lose both those games. We're not going to stop the run. They're going to run the ball. Uh, I don't know about the Carolina Panthers, but you can't fool around and win one of those games early and give yourself some hope. You know, you because you gotta you got to lie to the players. The players believe that you're trying to win, and the players will always compete to win. But as an organization, you know secretly, you're just amassing players who suck enough to lose a lot, even though they're unaware of the plot. So I worry that if they get off to a good start, that maybe they begin to believe a little bit, and you screw around and win five games, and now you're drafting third or fourth, and you're out of the business. So I love that Buffalo is on the road, can't win that game. I don't know. We can play it 100 times. We'll lose it 100 times. You can't beat San Francisco on the road. They're better coach, better talent. You're not going to beat Green Bay, probably. Uh, I don't know. You'll lose to the Falcons, like I said. The toss-ups are the Saints, who are better than you are, certainly defensively and probably Carolina. Carolina's a bit of a toss-up. you got a rookie quarterback. So there it is. You got to have your ducks in a row to tank this thing and guide your way into a 2-15 and 15 season. Fans right now are looking at the NFL schedule tonight, and they all get goose-piply, and they can't wait to tell their friends about how it is they're going to travel to see this game and that game and that they're going to win because most fans are stupid. Most fans think their team is better than they are. They love to believe when they shouldn't believe. But Buccaneer fans, if you're listening to me right now, you know what I know. We're awful. We stink. We have no business. So let's look at tonight's schedule release and hope that the order of the games ensure that we suck as a maximum amount of sucking would allow. Like, are these in the right order? Do we get the suck capacity necessary to get that first or second pick? That's what tonight's about, baby, if you're a Bucks fan, yeah, what you want to
1: see is games against bad teams on short weeks. Oh I mean, yeah. You need your short work uh, short week Thursday to be the Texans, you know, because that increases the chances that you lose that football. You
2: could lose that game, whereas otherwise you had a full week to prepare, you probably win it.
1: Right. That that's the thing. I'm looking at the splits here. And outside of the divisional games, the road slate for the Bucks is actually where they can screw this thing up and win too many games. Because you've got Houston. Who knows what Indy is going to be because they're trying to launch something from the ground up, and that could look disgusting if you get them in September. So I'd rather play Indy later if you're trying to lose more football games. Green Bay could be an absolute disaster. Uh, Hopefully they just run the ball with Aaron Jones every play. If they do that, they should be fine and take care of Tampa. We'll see. But the home slate looks like it's – I don't know if we've got eight or nine games at home this year – But it looks like they can maybe only get one or two at max out of that, and that would probably come from the division because most of those home games are quite difficult. And it's funny because it's the NFL and and things change over time. But, you know, if we hosted Jacksonville for most any year, the last 15, you'd say you'd probably win that ballgame. Not anymore. No, you're going to get killed by Jacksonville right, this year. Right, Yeah, Jacksonville Jacksonville's going to murder the Bucs. Um, you're right.
2: And by the way, it's eight home games for the Bucs. Okay. Uh, you, could, you could mess around and beat the Titans because they're in full rebuild mode too, I think. I don't know, man. Now, you're right. If they try to ride Derrick Henry for one more year, that's probably too much for us to take. We'll lose the game. But they're not dynamic. They're not good. So we could accidentally win that game um we won't beat jacksonville we're sure as hell not going to beat detroit detroit will beat us senseless you
1: got a chance to beat the bears they're terrible um yeah but I, i still think that they're more complete i would rather get if you're trying to lose you want them early when fields is healthy and they can just run them to death yeah but if you get them late justin fields isn't good
2: this could be a problem man i don't know we could win that game i'm really a little nervous about that bears game we could
1: win it it's it's problematic uh, you well, look, you look, awesome. I got to interject something important here. We can all agree that you just want to get one though. So this, you got it. You can't go over. So when they get that first win, whenever it is, you pop the champagne and you say, all right, that's enough of that. Now we're good.
2: Right? Yeah. You can't go over. You don't want to be on that list. The first team to ever go. zero in 17. Correct. Correct. You know, the lions hold the record for the zero and 16. And I'm glad they did that because for the longest time that bucks zero and 14 thing was tough to take. But the Lions surpassed it, Double down. We got this. We are by far the sorriest team ever. Um, yeah, so you don't want to be the first 0-17 team ever. So, now you got to win a game. And, you know, Baker will fool around and be decent enough in a game that they'll get one win.
1: You know, that's yes. who he is. Every now and again, he'll have a day where you're like, yeah, oh, it's all right. Well, yeah, we've got a good young running back. You've got Mike Evans who still go for 1,000 yards. And then Baker every once in a while. I don't be- know if
2: Mike Evans is going for 1,000 yards this year, buddy. No, he'll go for a thousand. He still wins one-on-one matchups. He just got Baker Mayfield ain't getting the ball to Mike Evans, man. Mike Glennon got
1: the ball to Mike Evans for a thousand. Mike Glennon
2: has a much better arm than Baker Mayfield. I don't know, man. I I think you're asking a lot of old Baker, five foot seven ass trying to
1: shot put a ball out there. Who else are we throwing the ball to? You just try you try to get him his stats so you can send him to Canton. Well, he's already going, but yeah, your wide receiver. I know. But that line is that's such a logjam for receivers and can He might not get in there until he's 65, especially in this era of football with these guys that are coming down the pike. You've got to fortify that resume for Mike. And so just target him a bunch. Keep him happy. He'll come out of the game inevitably because he'll land funny and he'll be out for a drive. <laughs> but that's okay. That increases our chances of winning. Get him his numbers and, and lose enough games. That's the key here. So if you're a bucks fan
2: and you hate that you, you don't like that mentality, just understand it beats middling. Yeah. It beats middling. What are you really gaining by going 7 and 10, 8 and 9, 9 and 8? You know what you're gaining? A whole lot of nothing. You're gaining a middle of the draft, who knows if you get a good player or not Pick. That's what you're getting. At least if you go all in on the suck fest, you've got a franchise quarterback. I, the more we do this, I got to tell you. I think I want the, I, I I think I want the Carolina kid. I think I want Drake May.
1: Oh uh, well, we've got a year of of new information to to take a look at, and we'll see, you know, uh, is is Caleb Williams adding a new element to his game uh, because it's it's another year with Lincoln Riley. Is he a more complete football player? Uh, does May have uh, an issue in which I don't know being around Mac Brown for so long has affected him and being, you know, an underachiever has affected his mentality and he shows his ass on the sideline. You say, Ooh, okay. Interesting. need to make sure that this guy's a culture fit. There's a lot of information to come before I make that determination, but I I do know one thing. Uh, Caleb Williams, who has won the Heisman is going to be counted upon. I would think again, to score 40 a game. And so you will see him pushed because when he gets to Tampa, I think he's going to be pushed. To score a lot of points, to to you know make the goals happen. He's been under the gun a lot. It's odd at North Carolina, even though May is all they got, and they just lost Josh Downs this off season. But like you don't feel that urgency. Like they feel like they're they're just fine with going eight and four. Like it's no big deal. With USC, their their visions are a lot higher, and you could feel that. Here's the thing, Tom.
2: I don't know what data points we're gonna have that change my opinion on this, unless Drake May goes berserk because he's already had a Heisman campaign. He's already had a season where he put up ungodly numbers. He's already shown what he is, but guess what? He's not. He's not tall. Yeah. He's six one mm-hmm. Drake may, he's not going to get taller this year at USC. I have a suspicion. So Drake may six foot four, almost six foot five.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm leaning Drake may baby. We're going Drake may. We're getting a guy who can straight up from the pocket, sling it around. He can make every throw. He's six five. He's got a, release buddy that plays and I know I know the NFL has changed a lot you don't have to be a prototypical quarterback but it doesn't mean that it's not a good thing if yeah. you are one and so I would uh, I, I, I want a guy move. that
1: can stand in there and see over the line and get the ball down the field and make a move too so it's not like he's completely immobile yeah. I mean he's he's got a little bit of pocket mobility to him and it, you know if a, if you're going to turn your backs to him and two man you know he can get loose for a few yards here or there so in the modern day, in that modernized system, he still fits. He's not a relic. You know, this is a kid who can fit in what it is that the NFL is turning to, which is a hybrid of what we knew 10, 15 years ago, where everybody is three yards in a cloud of dust and then you play off a of play action to you're running out of the gun. This is what you do now. Now everything is operated out of the shotgun and there are read option elements to it. So, yes, I mean, he checks all the boxes but what you need to do is make sure that you check a box at 1 or 2 in the draft order and then come with me i almost uh, no pun intended but but I, I do also kind of like picking second because then you don't have a chance to get it wrong you have to pick the guy so there's no there's no like oh god what if we got it wrong today yeah, No, yeah, it is yeah. determined for you what no, your fate is going to be i think if you're a gm secretly you think that's true
2: you like that. You know you can't get blamed for this. Yep. But but you and me just talking here, we don't walk through this life scared of nothing, Tom. You get up there and you make your pick. Drake May's the guy. I'm picking him at one. I don't care if everybody yells at me. I'm taking Drake May. And if I'm wrong,
1: I'll get fired. I understand. I'll live with that. That's okay. I'm going to take my chances here. The good news is none of this will matter. Bo Nix is going to have such a great year. <laughs> and he's going to be the Baker Mayfield of the draft. And everybody yeah. says, Wait a minute, Bo Nix to the Bucks, and we're going to have to live through that for a couple. Oh God, no!
2: By the way, last thing here because I know we got to solve for the future coming up here shortly, and we actually I have a fun question for that today, Tom. This will be good, but let's 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 let me pose this out there to everybody: Who has a better season this year, Drake May or Jordan Travis in
1: the ACC? Uh, what do you define as a better season? Right, right. that's
2: that's the correct counter. The better prospect of the NFL is Drake May no matter what happens this year.
1: However,
2: that said, I think resoundingly, Jordan Travis is going to have a better year than Drake May.
1: I think the only holdup there, and it might be related to what we do with the uh, solving for the future, is if we run the ball so successfully – and we are in blowout situations. And he gets pulled. And he gets pulled. His numbers aren't going to reflect the success. It's not going to reflect what the scoreboard might read. Because what if Trey Benson goes, you know, 16 carries, a buck 42, and two touchdowns? Right. Hawk touchdowns. You've hawked yards. Jordan might throw for 168 and account for three touchdowns, two throwing, one rushing. That doesn't sound crazy in a half of football. And then he's done for the day. Do that five times, and you're not in consideration for. A lot of those uh, rewards and awards, which is kind of nuts, because you did the hard part, which was get up so much that you are dominating football games and you're leading the way. But I just, I, it's hard to say for that reason. Who has that a- is the
2: correct way to, I think, combat my argument that he's going to have a better year in that the numbers may not be where they need to be because they're blowing people out. You're right; he could get pulled early in games, and next thing you know those add on statistics that Drake May's getting because they're in so many close games yeah. is enough to surpass anything yeah. that Jordan Travis does. But I think efficiency wise, Jordan Travis is going to be sensational.
1: And I know that this is relative to those two quarterbacks in the ACC. That was the question, but that's the thing with Caleb Williams, you know, last year they needed to Bryce young at Alabama had to, because they were in a lot. I mean, think about the Tennessee game. Yeah. Shootouts. Yeah. mean, an absolute shootout Texas down to the wire, uh, and Caleb Williams will be in that position again, unless they get a whole lot better on defense, but I don't know that you can make that kind of a leap in one year out at USC.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. Well, and by the way, I mean, that is the one knock on Lincoln Riley to begin with is, Hey, man, I love that your offense is prolific. You've never not had a great offense. Every year you've been a coach, whether it was an assistant as an OC or a head coach, your offenses have literally broken records, put up huge numbers and won Heisman's. Oklahoma was just winning Heisman every year because my man was putting up massive numbers. He's an offensive genius. There's no doubt. But buddy, not one of those teams that he's ever been a part of stopped anybody. And it's just a fascinating dilemma because you bring that guy in and I know why you do. And he wins right away. USC went from but sorry to good overnight because of Lincoln Riley bringing Caleb Williams, Williams and his offense with him, but they still don't stop people and they didn't win the PAC 12. And they, this is, that is the thing, man. It would be so weird. Can you imagine if we were in that situation? And by the way, we could be oh Not now well that that let's this year's important tom it is yeah. it's an important year or we're going to start to say hey man can't well, get stops around here
1: yeah I can't get stops with this loaded defensive front because it won't be next year you know it won't be that proven at least it won't yeah. be that proven i agree
2: we'll solve the future with our friends at isf with a question posited to you guys in just a moment it's the jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio and war chant tv time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash With all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health Uh, habit. And uh, it is a a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, That's athletic greens. And uh, I I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note, that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product athleticgreens.com slash jcs check it out i think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day athleticgreens.com slash
0: jcs the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3
2: our favorite segments, it's because it's with our collaborators at ISF. They sponsor this. Usually we uh, ask a question to you. In fact, I think we're going to do that today. We had a good lunch yesterday with our friend Jonathan at ISF. They continue to do amazing things and obviously helping folks in state government, uh, helping government clients solve for the future. We do that on the show as well. ISF is an IT strategy firm. If you didn't know that, they've been doing this for over 40 years. You know, I mean, over 1,500 projects. Uh, they they were there in big moments. You know, after the hurricane, they were there. They were able to help provide relief. They've continued uh, down that path, and they want to fulfill visions for those that have them. And many people do in state government. You got to cut through that red tape, Tommy. You got to make sure things work. ISF will do that for you. Our question to you for this segment in solving for the future. Uh, we always kind of relate it. Um, to football, Florida state football. And per our discussion earlier in the day, why don't we just pose this to the chat? Now I get it guys, you know, we had to record this a couple hours before the the start time of the show, but we'll look at your responses. I, I do want to see some of them. I always appreciate the feedback also. And it also sometimes is enlightening. I mean, you might read something there that you hadn't thought about and uh, people make you know, salient points. So it, it's always interesting. Um, how would you go about if you were a defensive coordinator? This is the question. How would you go about stopping Florida State's offense? What are you going to take away? Now, the tenet of any good defensive coordinator, any defensive coach will tell you, you have to make a team beat you doing something other than what they want to do. So if I'm a defensive coordinator and you are the greatest show on turf and you want to throw the football 60 times, I'm taking that away. You're going to have to beat me as much as I can you're going to have to beat me running the football. I'm going to take the air out of the football. You have to line up and bludgeon me. And if you do, I doff the cap. If I got to come out of it because I'm getting gashed, well, then maybe you win. We lose. I shake your hand. But at least I made you do something you didn't want to do. Don't let somebody who wants to go right on an NBA floor go right. Make it him go left tell James Harden no you're not going right I know you want to get to your right hand I know you want me to get you uh, you know you want to get me on your left hip because you're a big bitch and you're going to get in the lane and if I can't cross your face I'm either going to foul you or you're going to lay the ball in because that's what you're good at doing and if I don't close out you're going to hit the three you're a problem matchup for me but I'll tell you what maybe you can be a problem going left Let's get you going left with your bad hand and see how good you are at getting me on your hip and finishing at the basket with your off hand. So for Florida state, when you look at it that way, Tom, what are you taking away? The number one answer is you got to take away the run. You cannot let Florida state run the football. And here you go. Here you go. Let's have fun with this argument. I'm telling Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson, Jaheem Bell, Kentron Portier, and anybody else. I don't think you're good enough to win a national championship throwing the rock 40 times a game. You don't want to do that. You want to run, 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 and set up the pass. You have a deep offensive line, you got a mobile quarterback, you got a great rotation to tight end. There's a duality to their skill set. You've got running backs for days. You want to bludgeon me. And then when I come up to stop it, You've got one-on-ones with problem matchups, so you're going to throw the ball once I come up to stop it. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm taking away all this running, and I'm making you throw it over and over and over again, and maybe I'm going to lose. Maybe I'm going to lose. But if I'm a good team and I have good corners and good safeties, I'll take my chances that they're going to win enough of those one-on-one battles and that you're not going to throw it and score 40 points doing it without the run game. I'm taking away the run.
1: Okay. Uh, you know, ISF themselves as a company have dealt with hard questions like it's, it's COVID. That's a thing that's happening in our country. Now let's create a database that doesn't fail because there's a lot of data that enters in there and let's not have it be overwhelmed. They did that. They were they successful. It never crashed. You could talk about the reporting and how that was done, but it, in terms of the infrastructure, it never crashed. I don't know that this is an easier quest. This might be harder. <laughs> creating a COVID database for the state of Florida. But I'm going to take a stab at it, and I would go the exact opposite route Okay, in this, in this sense. I would play off coverage. You're never going to beat me with the explosive play. You're just <laughs> never going to do that. Mike Norvell offenses are explosive. Now, you can create explosiveness in Mike Norvell offenses on the ground, and you could do it through the air. But I want to see Florida State execute a 10-play drive four times in a game against me. I want to see that if Jordan if I'm going to give you the hitch four plays in a row is Jordan mature enough to take the hitch four plays in a row or does he really want that extra play to be made down the field and he gets greedy and maybe he makes a mistake even if he doesn't and even if Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins are composed enough to do what they did against Miami which is just run it down my throat over and over and over correct guess what happens the clock doesn't stop for first downs anymore outside of two minutes. I'm shortening the game. The more explosive plays happen to me, the more possessions that offense gets on the field. I want that offense on the field for as few plays as possible. I'm going to work it on one side where I am going to put run the play clock down inside a 10 every time I have the ball and I move the chains. So I'm going to be a boa constrictor and shrink the game and shorten the game as much as I can with my offense. And then defensively, I don't want them having – 10 possessions in a game. I want them having fewer and fewer possessions because I'm taking the explosiveness out of it. And if that means that you're going to have five yards to carry, okay, that's the poison that I choose to take because I think it's slower acting than if I was to come up and challenge these receivers because I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose one-on-ones to these guys. There's too many of them. So that's the way I would approach it. I understand
2: both approaches, and what we do by having this discussion is shine a light on the problematic nature of Florida State's offense for any defensive coordinator, because I think we're both right here. Now, one thing I will tell you is that we have a fundamental, I think, disagreement about the explosiveness of these receivers. I don't think they're explosive. I don't think Florida State has uniquely gifted receivers. I think they have problem matchups in the form of Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell and guys like that. He's a tight end. I know, but I don't think they have an explosiveness that there, there's there so many, like I, I, if I have good corners, if I have really good corners, I'm not worried about them being on an Island with Florida state's receivers. I am certain other receiving cores that I've seen over the last five years. I, I look at that LSU team and go, Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I can't win a single one of those battles. They're loaded. They got first round draft picks at wide receiver. Those guys are going to run right past me. You know what I mean? We're not that. We're not that. So that's, that's sort of our disagreement here. But I agree. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're what? talking about dying, uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. Yes. Um, but you're willing to do it. I- I'm Definitely. saying, man, I want you to beat me doing something you don't want to do. And, and I'm just, I, I know you want to run the ball. Mike Norvell wants to run the ball. Alex Atkins wants to run the ball. They have a huge offensive line. It's deep. They've got a ton of running backs. They got a mobile quarterback. They want to run it down my throat. It is so emasculating. It is so, uh, you just leave somebody bereft of hope when they can't stop the run. I'm not I'm not putting that on my kids. They'll quit. They'll quit in the second quarter. I'm not doing that. I, I Now, I get what you're saying, because here's the other side of the coin, and you made a great argument. If I get beat on these big plays, if I do give up the big plays, well, there's nothing more demoralizing than giving up an 80-yard touchdown. It changes the entire feel in the room, for lack of a better term. I mean, it takes the air out of the sails. So I do think that's, again, what we shine a light on is pick your poison, baby. You're screwed either way. We're just picking different poisons.
1: Exactly. I just the fewer at bats that this offense gets, the greater the chance for me to win the football game. How do I get them fewer at bats? Well, it starts with my own offense and slowing it down. Like yeah. you, want, you want to Jimbo this thing like you yeah. want to take your time or if you want a better example, I want a service academy. This thing I want to be Army and Navy. It's yeah. ball control. That's our path. To, I mean, think about was it Army? who took Oklahoma to double or triple overtime, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, probably four years ago. That now. was crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because they had the ball for 37 minutes. Like, that's yeah. the path to beating Florida State is you have to possess the ball for as long as possible. If you can't, then I want Florida State running off the clock with every possession as much as they possibly could. And here's where I would I would define the context of my argument about receivers. I don't think that Johnny Wilson is, is as explosive as Mike Evans at that size, but I do think in one-on-one, that's a real problem. Even if you have a, a really good corner, you know, unless he has the most amazing vertical in the country, and you might run into that in the playoff, uh, Johnny's still going to be a five-inch to six-inch advantage over that particular player. Correct. So yeah, you probably got to double him. It is a probable matchup, but, yeah. but I'm talking about the sheer numbers. The other part of it is the sheer numbers of targets that Florida State has. So if you got Johnny and then Kentron and Dre and a tight end that you line up wherever, and then Trey Benson or Lawrence Toafili, if you want to talk about aerial attack and Jordan's legs I mean somebody's going to be wide open you can't double everybody and somebody's going to win a one-on-one so I mean your third best corner against Vandravius Jacobs in the slot or Kyle Morlock in the slot man okay we may not be explosive down the field in a proven way just yet but that dude's going to win a one-on-one he's going to be open and that's going to move the ball a lot quicker I think than you know running it between the tackles over and over again, if that's the way I want to play by playing back and soft in the secondary. So again, we just highlighted why it
2: is Florida state has solved for the future on offense. They've got a dynamicism that we haven't seen in a long time. They've got the ability to beat you in a whole bunch of ways. You pick what you want, and we'll do the opposite, and that's fine. You know, We'll do what you want us to do because we can. We can run it if we want to run it. And if you want to take away the run, well, we can throw it. We'll throw it if we have to throw it, especially if you're going to give us one-on-one matchups. okay. You want to take that away? Well, now we're going to run it again. And, oh, by the way, if all else fails, I'll just run my quarterback. I'll just get him to the outside and let him make a decision. I'll put you in conflict. What are you going to do, bring him down in the open field? You ain't. So, so this is, this is, I mean, it's a nightmare. Uh, So we have, I think they've done a good job, personnel, depth, talent, coaching, development, all of it. This offense has solved for the future, just like our friends at ISF. If you want to learn more about ISF and how they can help you, ISF.com, go there, read about their uh, abilities to help out their clients, their expertise uh, for solving the future through strategy, process, and technology, Uh, their 40 years in business helping companies across the country, all that stuff, over 1,500 projects that they've completed all over the nation from right here in Tallahassee. It's awesome, ISF.com. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.
0: The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3.
2: Set to uh, shift on over, mosey on over, thanks to our friends over there at Powermill Training Academy uh, to get you the probables and all that good stuff before we round out the show. Uh, I, before we do that, you know, Tom, this is... I don't know if I... Have I ever told you this? I, uh, maybe I haven't, but I will now. Uh, and I, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I don't know if I made mention of it. I'm getting old. Sometimes I forget who I talk to about these things. Uh, but But as somebody who loves... Uh, I don't know. Uh, Cinema Paradiso, for example, uh, Children of Men, uh, movies of that kind. Raging Bull, for example. You know these masterworks, these these um, products of uh, artists, right? You know, you know you might not guess it, might not guess it, but as somebody who likes those kinds of films, I am also a huge fan of the Equalizer movies.
1: <laughs> Equalizer
2: <laughs> with Denzel Washington. And uh, uh, they've made two. They're coming out with another one, and I saw the preview this morning, The Equalizer, which turned into a bad television show, by the way. I think with Queen Latifah. But anyhow, the uh, the movies. Surely you've seen the movies. Is Denzel just killing people and being a badass? You've never seen The Equalizer?
1: No. So it's like a it's like a John Wick style.
2: No. Yeah, but not quite that over the top. He is a a certifiable like special ops badass. Um, and it's it's as old as uh, you know any story you can think of. You know, there's a guy in a town. There's bad people. He kills bad people, protects the innocent, and all that stuff. And he's unassuming. You would know that he has this toolbox of uh, of murder uh, at his disposal. And he's very quirky and unique. He starts his watch every time there's about to be a situation. He checks his pulse. And he, he likes to keep at a certain level no matter what. But he basically gives people nine seconds before he's going to kill them. And then he times how quickly he, he does the math in his head. And it's really cool the way they shoot it. Like, he you see what he sees. And they slow it down. So he sees a guy standing in the corner, the guy directly across from him. He sees that guy's got a gun in his pocket to his left. Over here to my right is the guy by the door who, if we start fighting, is going to reach in his back pocket with the knife that I saw when I entered the room. And and like... He he does all the calculations and he's going to kill everybody in the room and usually in a really badass way. And so, so those movies are absurd. We know they're just absurd, but they're fun. There's a reason John Wick, for example, you just mentioned, they've made four of them and they're all blockbusters and people love to watch that kind of thing. Um, I really like the equalizer movies. I think they're phenomenal the way they did them. The scripts are good. The writing is good, the dialogue, the characters are good, and his character in particular is really awesome, like you like him. So I saw (laughs) this morning the preview um, for number three, the, the third equalizer that's coming out. It comes out in September as if I didn't have enough reasons to be pumped about September, buddy. Add it to the list. The new equalizer is coming out with
1: Denzel, oh. baby. Oh, man. I guess I need to go watch these first two. I've, yeah, I've never seen them. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure I they're formulaic tell you. in the way that, like, Taken was kind of unique when you first saw it. Yeah. Then there's Taken Two and Taken it Three. It's the same thing, but it's- people just want more of it. So they're like, yeah, okay, let's do it. But when when it's done right, it is fun. I mean, people love justice. They
2: just want people to get their comeuppance if they're bad people, and there are bad people in the world, and you'd like to see those people eliminated by good people or people, but it gets better when the good person also has warts, when the good person also is flawed. Let me say this. You convinced me, and I don't know why I needed this convincing, but, and I guess I didn't, I don't know. It's like when I couldn't convince you to watch whatever it was, uh, and then you finally did uh breaking bad was it
1: yeah breaking bad
2: yep for you, you what happens is when a show comes out this is for anybody when a show or a movie comes out that is universally lauded as exceptional whether it's acting writing usually both or a unique concept uh, you think of something something like game of thrones which was a unique concept like just right? if you're not on board in year 1 mm-hmm. you don't tend to get on board like, it's almost like we all build a wall and, like, I'm tired of everybody telling me I got to watch this show. I'm not watching this damn show. It doesn't sound interesting to me. And I don't care if everybody likes it. It's weird that we do this, but we yeah. all do it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And don't the tell more, me what, so- to do. what? Don't tell me what to do. Don't- right. Yeah. Right. No.
2: But the more that somebody tells you, the more resistant you are. So, I find that if you really want a friend who you care about and you know has good taste to watch something, you don't need to beat him over the head. You just need to say it a couple of times. Like, let's pro it out there. Hey, man, have you ever seen such and such? No, you'd really like it. It's right up your alley. It's really well done. Okay, cool. Now, a month from now, I'm going to ask you, have you started watching such and such? If you say no again, I'm going to be like, really should watch it. I mean, I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't think it was good. I'm just telling you, you should watch it. Now that's it, I'm not gonna do it again because I know the third and fourth time means you're just not going to on principle. You're just not going to, even though you know I'm right. Yeah. And I can know that my friends are right. I can know that people that I, who, whose taste I respect, really respect. Will come to me and say, hey, I like the same books that you read. We, we like the same music. We have, seem to have similar themes that we like to lock into that we enjoy. Um, you would like this. Okay. And I can know that's probably true. Tom told me I'd like this. I think he's probably right. I know it's not going to be dumb. I know it's going to be interesting. I know. it. Now, Tom knows better than to suggest I watch some damn fantasy, stupid uh, superhero thing. Well, he knows I'm not going to watch that.
1: Yes, even still, you should watch Star Wars Rebels. It's fantastic. It's really well done. You'd love it. You'd actually love it. For you'd say, "Well, this is different than Star Wars," and that's how you—that's how you'd allow yourself to enjoy it. But yeah. All right,
2: maybe maybe I'll get to it, but it's down the rung of ladder. It's there's a lot of things I got to get to. So I watched every when I watched it as it happened when we were in the offices at the old ESPN back in the day. I watched Breaking Bad. I got hooked. Our old uh, workmate Nick. And Alicia also told us, we got to watch this.
1: I don't know if she did, but Chris was in on it. Show contributor Chris. Yeah, he you loved guys it. talked about it every day. And I'd be like, good God, that's what it was. Yeah. Because every day I'm trying to do something. You're like, So can you believe what Walt did? And, and yeah, right. what about Gus? I'm like, hey, yeah. guys, guys, guys. Yeah. So
2: eventually you watched it and you loved it and you knew it was good. And there you yep. go. Well, yep. what you did was after you watched that, when by the time you got around to watching it, they were beginning to come out with Better Call Saul. Yeah. So you had a natural flowing segue from one series to the new series, the Mm spinoff. But a ton of time had elapsed for those of us that watched it in real time. So when Breaking Bad ended and it was announced that they were going to come out with a spinoff for the character Saul – and it was going to be called Better Call Saul, I thought, well, that's cool. I mean, Bob Odenkirk is awesome, and he he does such great justice to this character. He brings that character to life. He's smart. It's interesting. Everything about the role of Jimmy, who Saul, is fantastic. All right, so I didn't watch Better Call Saul because you prattled on, and so did everybody else about how great Better Call Saul was. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll watch it eventually. And then at some point, I probably did the thing that I just got done describing that everybody does, which is, oh, all you guys, I'm not watching Better Call Saul. So my son watched, What is? are there seven seasons of Better Call Saul?
1: Uh, I, you know, I just always six. watched them as they came, so maybe five or six, yeah. Th- there's a lot of seasons. Yeah.
2: So anyhow, he watched them all after he got done with Breaking Bad. Yep. And he kept telling me, and he's got good taste. Bryce has good taste. And he says, Dad. You've got to watch Better Call Saul. Mr. Tom is right. And he kept getting mad at me. He's like, Mr. Tom is right. Better Call Saul is awesome. You need to watch it. Why wouldn't you watch it? You love uh Saul. Why wouldn't you watch it? And I was like, I was like, okay. So my son broke down my defenses.
1: Yeah, because it's just, well, what was the thing I always said about it? It's different and it's beautiful. It's just well, it, it's, it's a very, very it's paced very differently. Now, as you get into the later seasons, you're gonna feel a little bit more breaking bad, but that makes sense because he's elevated. Yeah. Building. But so it's just slow. It's a slow burn, and it's well-acted. It's beautifully written and shot. Oh, what a show. Well, here you go. I just finished season one.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm started season two now. I'm addicted. I'll be through all the seasons within the month of May. Yeah, there you go. And it's awesome. But the number one thing that stands out for me about all of these characters that we end up liking, these antiheroes and all that, The the actors that do well with these roles, and like Denzel in in The Equalizer or anybody else, in this case, Bob Odenkirk as Saul, they bring a humanity to the role. They're flawed individuals, terribly flawed individuals, but they're flaws that you can forgive to some extent because of circumstance. And also, they reveal a humanity. You see that they're not all bad. There's good in them. And I think the thing that Odenkirk does in, through one season is he, you feel empathy. You, you, you actually root for this guy despite some dubious decisions. Yep. You, you like him, and one of the reasons you like him is he is being dealt a terrible hand, and secondly, he's broken, but he recognizes the brokenness in everybody else and tries to help him. Like he's forever lending a hand to people like that old, the old folks home that he did the first case. Mm-hmm. He found that on his own. He genuinely felt bad for those old people. He's looking at the receipts are like, what? Well, why'd you get charged 35 cents for this? What was this? And it like, who thinks like that? Somebody who cares. Somebody who has empathy. Somebody who doesn't like to well, see people get screwed.
1: And somebody who will charge 35 cents to some sap that they believe is not worth its time or the effort. You know, Right. He sees right. the angles. He always sees the angles. In the he room.
2: sees the angles. He's always got the angles. It's awesome. Yeah. But then you put him together with Mike, who's yeah. unflinchingly moral for a criminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he has a code of ethics. Yeah. He has a code of ethics. It's like the mob. It's honor amongst thieves over and over and over again. It's true. You're like, well, now, because we all rooted for Tony. We yeah. all rooted. For, and Tony was a
1: murderer. Tony was now there actually there were a couple of points when where I'm done with Tony, but you, you just want to see how it ends. You know, you're like, all right, I can't. I, there's no coming back from this. But there guy. were
2: plenty of times in, in the wake of heinous acts yeah. and behavior that you're like, Tony needed to kill that guy. A oh, guy needed to a go. of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there were times you had great empathy for him when he's having all the stress and he's, you know, he's losing it and his family and his friends and all that. I mean, you're kind of like, Oh, poor Tony, you catch yourself. You're like, look, listen to me feeling bad for Tony. The guy's a mafioso, but I feel
1: bad for Tony
2: because that guy did him wrong. Go kill that guy, Tony. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, the one thing that came out from better call Saul that you you'll understand now, Michael McKean's, um, oh, yeah, his brother is assistant. That's plays, assist, but his assistant's named Ernesto. And my wife would always get so angry because I mean, he must say it 50 times in the season Ernesto, like as loud as that. And it's just so annoying. And I would do it because I knew that it was a problem. And then the best thing, this is just the little simple joys in life. You know those commercials during football season that are on all day Saturday and Sunday? It's the same freaking four companies. Yeah. But one of them, when they go to the medical ads, is Entresto. So anytime Entresto, uh. I say, Entresto! <laughs> Stop it! And now, finally, it took about a year and a half, two years, but now it's a, it's a laughing thing. She probably heard it downstairs and is laughing right now. But, yeah, that's where it comes from. And
2: now I tell you about Power Mill Training Academy, powering performance for your little guy or gal. That's right. they got 27 alumni in the majors. But maybe your kid just wants to be a a, a little league baseball player or a softball player. Maybe your kid wants to go to camp over the summer. But I tell you what they do want, whether it's to go to the pros or nothing of the sort, they want to get the most out of their abilities so that they can have fun playing the game. And they want to develop strong, foundational, fundamental skills of playing the game. And they're different levels, different ages. That's where Power Mill Sports comes into play. My kids went there. Summer camp's coming up. We all got to find places to put our kids. This is productive. This is a really good camp. These are also really good instructors. Power Mill Training Academy. To learn more, PowerMillSports.com. And it is time for Probables. We shall get to, I don't even think you can click it, can you?
1: I can't. So for the people on the YouTube feed, we'll see you tomorrow on the JCS podcast feed is where you're going to get your probables. And of, of course on the air, if you're on the air right now, driving around Tallahassee, nine three, three, here it comes. Here we go. It's time for how you say with the pitching. Uh, probables.
2: That's Reds Senga.
1: That game's already in the uh, middle innings, Tom. Sanga san I'd like to see him get to the seventh inning for once. Our pitchers don't get to the seventh inning ever. Let's see if he can do it
2: today. Derek Law for the Reds. Padres, Twins, You Darvish, Bailey over Darvish, by the way. Continues his renaissance, still pitching very, very well this season, as well as last. White Sox Royals, Mike Clevenger, Brady Singer, Rays, Yankees, Drew Rasmussen, Domingo Herman. We got the Giants and the D-backs. Alex Cobb, Tommy Henry, Rangers A's, Nathan Evaldi, and to be determined, that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Small slate. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Be well. Thanks for watching. We appreciate it. Good job, Director Matthew. Good job, Tom. Be well, everybody. Peace.